folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hello, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and as always, we're presented by Scout Logistics and by Symbol, your stock market for sports. Uh, Jeremiah Searles, we've added a new sponsor to the show. I love show. it. I'm in last appeared. And look, when offensive line things are happening, you have to come out of hibernation in the yeah. offseason to give some takes. What is up, man? Dude, I, things are going well over here. I'm waiting for my wife to pop any day now with baby girl. Uh, we're hoping it's going to rain here in Nebraska. So when the barometric pressure just pushes her on out because uh, the wife is about done being pregnant. Um, but we're hanging out here in Lincoln, just kind of cruising around, enjoying the nice weather. And watching the madness about to begin which is nfl free agency i didn't really need the visual necessarily of that but that's okay um do do you have a name picked out yet we do we do so it's gonna be aelin aelin james searles that's that's beautiful that's a nice name because i was having a discussion on the i got to the golf course believe it or not the other day in minnesota in early march i was thrilled and having a discussion with uh who i was playing with about baby names and of one of my friends is a little bit close to the baby coming out and they don't have a name yet. So anyway, that's just an that's my wife's biggest fear because I didn't decide on it. She had this one picked for a while and she was like, the baby's going to be named without or born without a name. I was like, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll I promise. Well, it'll have a name before it's born. Uh, yeah. I, and my question was, do you want to look at it first to make sure it <laughs> matches up? <laughs> like, no, that's no, can't do it. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, congratulations Thank on you. that. I'm Thank excited you. for you. Let's talk about Riley reef, no longer a Minnesota Viking. He had a terrific year last year and there are some people who are saying some, uh, this is what, my least favorite thing is to say people are saying, but they really are about Riley reef. Now what? Because you're removing a left tackle who is decent and you have more musical chairs. And how is this possible to have more musical chairs than you already have had the last few years in the offensive line? So even if this makes sense to create the cap space, one hole pops up to fill another one. And we're still in that point where year to year, there will just never, ever, ever in the history of this team be continuity on the offensive line. I mean, yeah, he's been the longest tendered Viking on that offensive line. I mean, he showed up the same the second year I was there. I think 2017 was his 17, maybe yeah. yeah, 17 was his first year there. So I mean, he had a long run. And what people forget is he already took a pay cut at the beginning of last year. And he where they basically were like, pay cut or I'm cutting you. And they tried to trade or they tried to trade him, didn't work. And so he took the pay cut, but then he balled out this year. And I think that if you're really if you're Riley Reef, you're looking at the the free agent market and you're like 
dude, I'm, I'm the last one left standing after Trent Williams, right? Like, and I played well this year, but it does put the Vikings in a bad spot now because we talked about it for what? 12 weeks during the season of so is Ezra Cleveland the left tackle or is he the right guard well I think now it's going to be Ezra Cleveland's probably getting moved out to left tackle or they're going to have to move Brand or uh, O'Neal over there but I don't know if you can pay O'Neal or as I've been saying forever draft a left tackle early and you got to plug and play and hope he makes it but again there's a lot of what ifs and all those statements I just said well, let's talk about each one of them. Let's and, uh, you know, Courtney and I touched on it a little bit in our emergency podcast, but <laughs> we don't have uh, professional eyeballs on offensive linemen like you do. So let's talk about how each one of these things works. Ezra Cleveland played right guard last season and all of us went, huh? Okay. Well, that is certainly a place that he's allowed to play, but you drafted him as your left tackle does the fact that they played him at guard say anything to you about what they think of what he can be? And just from what you saw on tape, how, how does that translate from playing right guard to potentially moving all the way over to left tackle? I mean, it's a huge, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, I think I remember Jeff Schwartz or maybe Kyle Long. Someone asked him about it on Twitter one time. Like, what's it like playing right and left? It's like, whatever well, tried to wipe your ass with your left hand, if you're right-handed, like <laughs> it's kind of like that. And so you're thinking, okay, they drafted this guy in the second round to play left tackle. He played left tackle in college. It's not like he's never played it before. But playing that in the NFL is a whole different ball game. It's different types of athletes on the outside, different kind of animals you're dealing with out there. And to say, okay, we're going to plug you in at guard on the other side, on the opposite side, and then next year you're going to go play tackle for us, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Because if you're athletic enough to play tackle – you should at least be the swing tackle. And again, the only reason I can see them saying, okay, we're putting him out there is they were just trying to mix and match their best five, which as we saw this year, you couldn't really tell who was the best five. So I think they were just trying to see who was out there and who, what they could do. And he didn't look amazing at right guard. At times he was serviceable at times he was atrocious, but you wanted to see more stability just in his technique and his fundamentals versus hey, he's getting beat off of bad technique, whether it's guard or tackle, you have to have good technique. Now some the timing things change, some strength things change. But overall, I don't think he looked ready to start at left tackle from the, the small sample size or a decent sample size we saw this year. So asking him to take over for Riley Reef, who's a solidified pro bowler, first round draft pick, played a ton of years in this league, played well last year. I think he gave up one sack or zero sacks. We talked about at the end of the year and you're asking a guy to move out there, I don't see that ending well unless he takes a huge jump this offseason physically. That's one of the things I was thinking about is that we didn't get any sort of sample size to be able to see any of Ezra Cleveland at left tackle. And maybe small samples, we can get fooled on whether someone can do a job or not. Uh, they certainly have had that happen on the defensive line with some of the players who filled in like Armand Watts. Oh, he's going to be fine. Like, nope, that no, he's not. Um, I'll admit I got fooled a little bit on that one too, because he had such a good week 17, but that can happen. Everyone wanted Ezra Cleveland to play left tackle week 17 is like, you know what? We better not because yep. he's going to play well against a Lions team. that doesn't matter. And then we're all going to say he's fine and ready to go. Uh, so if that is not the option, 
they could play him at right tackle and just kind of say, well, you've got things going on that side. So why don't we just bump you over there and let's slide Brian O'Neill all the way to the other side. If I recall, this was not an idea that you particularly loved when we were talking about it way back at the beginning of the season. O'Neill is a great athlete and is a very, very good right tackle. I'm with you that I think it's better if he stays there, but explain. The reason, okay, so it's better to have a really, really good right tackle than a, okay, he's pretty good at left tackle. And I'm not saying that O'Neal will be bad at left tackle by any means. And there might even be some selfish piece of O'Neal that's like, you know what? Bump me over to left tackle. There's a lot more money to be made over there. I mean, you saw it with uh, Orlando Brown from the Ravens. Ronnie Stanley gets hurt. He bumps over, plays really well left tackle. Now he's like, trade me. I want to play left tackle and make more money. So there is a piece to it that maybe O'Neal's saying, I'll take the challenge. I'll rise up to it. But if I'm him, also, you can make a lot of money being a top-tier right tackle in this league, too. I mean, you look at guys like Lane Johnson or Conklin, right? I mean, those guys are making good money at right tackle. And if you know you're really good at it, Asking someone to switch over to the other side isn't necessarily the greatest thing. Now, they might have to do it out of necessity because they might draft someone and hope that they can do it. But, I mean, you have a guy who's a proven player that can play in this league at a high level. You just ask him to move over, but you're asking him to move over and he's going to ask for more money, which as today, $182.5 million cap isn't necessarily something you can afford to do. So you almost have to say, hey, O'Neal, I know you're really good. We need you to play left. We need you to not ask for more money and just say yes. And O'Neal has every right to be like, mm, no. So it's a really sticky situation. But if I'm Brian, I would rather stay at right tackle, play really well, and then go get paid. It's remarkable how often they're asking these questions lately of players. Hey, can you take a restructure? Hey, don't you just want to sign a really nice extension, Riley Reef, and not make like 18 bills for somebody who's desperate for a left tackle? Um, I, If I'm in Brian O'Neill's shoes, here's what I want to know. Where are you going to play me long term before I sign anything? If you tell me left tackle, then you got to pay that left tackle price now and not see me there first because we don't even know if that's a thing that he is capable of. And that's why it makes more sense to me to leave him at right tackle where he's solidified as good. The other part too is like, he's good, but he's not unbelievable. So if someone was unbelievable at right tackle, you could say, all right, I think my odds are pretty good. I can move him over there and he'll still be, if it was Jason Peters or something, I'd be like, I feel pretty good about that. This is not Jason Peters. This is a guy that was, I think maybe like 28th out of 70 tackles in the NFL by PFF. Like good. Like you want him to stay there and, and be good at football, but changing things I'm not sure is the best option. So let's say that's not the option. We're not moving Cleveland and we're not moving O'Neal. Now what? Now we go to the draft? I mean, I don't I don't necessarily I'm not super well versed in the left tackles that are going to be free agents this year, but it's there aren't any I Trent Williams, you. There you go. Riley Reef, right? Trent Williams, yep. Riley Reef. Can't afford Trent Real Trent Williams. Riley Reef already basically let the door hit him on the way out. And so you have to go to the draft now. And I think that the problem being is you and I have talked about so many times is there's a lot of people in each room that are going, Hey, we need an early draft pick. O-line, D-line, corners, receivers, like every room is screaming, we need an early draft pick. But if you don't have a left tackle and you have one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, it doesn't matter. You have to try and go. Maybe that means you trade up. Maybe that means you got to find ways to 
get up there and take one of these because I do think there's some pretty good left tackles in this draft as I watch the Senior Bowl and as I'm following some of these combines that are going on or the pro days now. There's some really solid offensive linemen coming out in this draft, but I think that there is such a need for offensive linemen all around the league that a lot of the good ones that are day one early starters are going to get picked off the board really quickly. So I don't know how the Vikings do it, but they'd have to try and sneak into an earlier round earlier to try and find one of these guys. Yeah, there is an argument to trade down, try to get back into the second round, but you're right about there's just more holes than there are things to fill the holes. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't help that very much because if you were looking at Trent Williams, okay, well, no, he's out of your ballpark though. Like if, if he was a possibility, you'd say, well, this is, this is good. You can improve. You could bring in someone else. It's like, Kelvin Beecham isn't going to do it. No offense to Kelvin. He's, I'm sure he's fine, but he's not an upgrade from, and the same with Rashad Hill. You played with Rashad Hill. He's an awesome guy and he's, I think, good enough to start in the NFL. But is that an upgrade for you? Of course it isn't. Not over Riley Reef. So now you're forced to do something else. Either try to upgrade through the draft where you don't know if the guy can step in right away or you are forced to try to spend it somewhere else where you can sort of make up the difference. And this is the next place I want to go. Guard in the free agent market. Have you heard that Vikings fans are interested in guards? I'm not sure if this has become clear at all online or anywhere where Vikings fans gather. What 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 is your what is your how do you pick out a guard? Tell me how you pick one out that is going to be good enough to just get the job done because they don't know. So I want to know how how do you tell you know, if I'm if I'm evaluating a guard, if I'm looking at a guard, the biggest thing is number A, number one is what's he like in the run game is what kind of player. And what I mean by that is, is he a mauler? Is he a phone booth guy? Is he a, a zone guy? Is he a speed guy? And you have to match that. And so if I'm if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the Vikings and I'm going, OK, we need someone that fits our scheme. We need someone that is super stout in the pass game big body stands them at the line and in the run game we need a guy that can run we need a guy that can get out and move in that zone style scheme we don't run a ton of power we don't run a ton of downhill double teams like we need a guy that can run get up on the linebackers fast reach these guys but also i think that they've learned that this guy needs to be taller than six foot because lately we love these like six foot tall guards even when i was there we had the ninja turtle squad and danny isadora nick easton and uh, Pat F line, we literally called them the Ninja Turtles. They were all six foot. And again, there's nothing, not, nothing against those guys. Love all those guys. But you're learning and you're seeing a bigger body guard. So I would look for a guard that's a speed guy that is stout in the pass game, but can also get out and run because that's the style of offense that they want to run there. So this is where it's tough because, of course, if you want that, got to pay for it. Right. Uh, Joe, Joe Tooney is um, going to be expensive because he's the only really good upper echelon guard that is on the market. And now Kevin Zeitler is out there, too. But Zeitler's coming off a year where it wasn't quite the same as he was in his prime. He's getting into his 30s. So then you take the Alex Boone risk of getting a player older. I know. I mean, it happened, Alex. It I'm happened. sorry. It happened. It happened. It it happened. happened. Um, so now you're looking at guys where you're trying to go almost the sort of Joe Berger route where you spot somebody that is off their first contract and you hope that they're ascending or they've been a journeyman or something like that. Um, and the two names that came to mind for me were Chris Reed, who you might not even know because he Never just, 
yeah, he just started last year for the first time for Carolina. He's your Joe Berger, undrafted, actually went to Mankato. So some people listening might know. Um, and and hey, a thousand they they're batting a thousand on Mankato players. Yeah, right? this is true. So, um, so, but he just started for the last, first time last year. And then there's like Austin Blythe and Forrest Lamp. But the thing about these guys is if their teams aren't signing them after their first contracts, that gives you a little bit of pause. I like Blythe. I actually do like Blythe. I've watched him play. Um, I've played Fortnite with him a few times, actually. Um, but I actually really like him because he can play a lot of positions. He's played guard. He's played mm-hmm. center. And I mean, maybe that's just me, but I'm a big cross train guy. I think it's really important when you can play a lot of positions, but he's a guy that's played a lot of football. And if you look at the Rams scheme where he's coming from, he fits that's our scheme a little bit, that zone read. They're not a big downhill power run team either. So he fits that scheme. But again, where he struggled was in the past game. He really struggled when it was one-on-one. Now I will say this. The confidence level of the interior guys on the L.A. Rams is probably really low after a training camp against Aaron Donald for 31 days. It's <laughs> true. I, I'm telling you, I literally believe it. You block that guy 31 days, you're like, I suck. Like, I'm just awful. I'm banging the table again. I'm getting all worked up. But uh, I think that he's a guy that I would, if you, out of the names you just named, I think Blythe is a guy that could be that guy that comes in and pushes a starter or pushes to become a starter because he has the the what we all love in the NFL, the experience, right? It's he's a, been there. It's sort of a weird backhanded compliment to be like, yeah, he gives up a lot of pressures in pass protection, so I think he'd be a fit. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> right up our alley <laughs> but he really i mean he's got the size that they look for or lack thereof and he did have one year where he was graded above average and pass pro but that was their best years in offense and you know here's what i think and I, I want you to give me my or give me your opinion on this how offensive linemen impact each other hmm. because and, and just even the circumstance in general including the quarterback we've talked about that a bit with kirk but i feel like what Garrett Bradbury has dealt with here with just this merry-go-round of guards, some of whom can't play at all. And, you know, the situation that they've put some of these players in, I just don't think is ideal. And when you see someone like a Austin Blythe, you think, well, if you could just be a professional and then just like professional starter level and do the job, this might actually help everyone else. Like I think that the offensive linemen impact each other. Absolutely. I completely, I completely, you're, you're right on point with that. I mean, we all work as a unit as an offensive lineman. You're only as good as the weakest link. Right. And I know it's kind of an age old saying, or people kind of roll their eyes at it, but it's very true. I mean, if you're working a combo block with a guy and you are completely different tiers of types of players, you're going to get there faster. He's going to get there slower and and it's just going to look a mess, right? Where you have, uh, we talked about it. if you could just get an average offensive line from left to right and every single person is just average, not above average, not excellent and just not awful or bad, just average. They'll be better than most offensive lines in the NFL because they don't have that glaring problem. The problem with the uh, the Vikings has always been there's been that one glaring spot or that one Winnebago that you just can't look away from. And that's been the guard spot, which then sometimes trickles into the Garrett Bradbury world of you're in the middle stuck between. I mean, you're in the middle of a poop sandwich, right? And, and you got to deal with it and you got to try and make it the best that you can. And I think sometimes that gives him a really raw deal because I do think he's really talented. He has his own struggles, but it's really hard to look at him and evaluate him and his body of work now on two years 
with the rotating guards in front of him. How much is he trying to make up for this guy? Or how much is he trying to overcompensate to help this guy or this guy? I mean, versus just letting him develop and do his thing on his own. So it really trickles down. The other thing you got to think about is if they're looking to fill a left guard spot, do you bring in more of a veteran guy that has a lot of starts? If you do plan on moving Ezra Cleveland out there as a first-time starter at left tackle, or if you're going to bring a rookie in, like that's something they're going to look at too, is what is the age of this guy we're bringing in to help be a leader on the offensive line now that Riley Reef is gone, a four-year captain, I mean, a guy that has done a ton for this offensive line, and now you're looking across the board and you're going, Brian O'Neill's our veteran. Right. Like, and that's a weird thing to say. I mean, that he is the veteran of that offensive line when you really look at it now. And you're like, man, we need to get some more veterans in this room to lead, if, especially if we're going to go young. And this is a little bit of the thing with circling back to drafting a left tackle where, look, Andrew Thomas was the top tackle taken off the board. And for the first half of the season, awful he wasn't better than TJ Clemmings was with the Vikings. I mean, he really, really struggled, started to get it together a little toward the end of the season. And then the giants talked about how they were teaching him all new technique from what he had done at Georgia, which wow. Right. I mean, like sometimes the jump is bigger for some people than it is for others. And he might still be really good eventually, but for year one, he was not. And this is a, a big picture free agency question for you, Jeremiah, is mm. like, what what are you trying to accomplish here? Like, where, what are you trying to be for 2021 with the players you sign? I'll give you what I, I think they should be. Okay. I think that, well, I, th- I think they should be the house of, hey, come here. We've got a spot for you. You'll definitely <laughs> play on a one-year contract and try to make the playoffs because you're still paying Kirk a bunch of money and you got a rising offensive superstar in Justin Jefferson. So there's no reason to say, let's just play the extreme long game and tank and get rid of everybody or something like that. Try to find, try to find those guys who just need a chance and they're good and they're not going to be super expensive and try to compete. But from from your sort of big picture view, how are you feeling about that? So I think it really, a lot of it depends on who is, oh gosh, I'm throwing the microphone. Oh my. I think a lot of it is depending on who's making those decisions, right? Why is my freaking thing not working? Sorry, boys. So for <laughs> me, I think that if I'm doing it, Jeremiah Searle's GM hat on, I'm looking at from build competition like the Buffalo Bills did. Now I say that because I was part of that competition, but they just said, literally, we're bringing in a bunch of guys who have started a lot of games, none of which are necessarily household names. And we're just going to let everyone compete and the best man might win. And then they, you're not afraid to cut guys after camp that you tell this to, right? I mean, so many times guys are afraid, but every NFL player has an ego. And that ego might fall on the lines of like, I want to be better than the next person. So you find a bunch of fighters, right? And it's not necessarily what they all do on the field personality fits can be a big thing too as far as are we bringing in the right kind of guys to compete for this not the kind of guys that are come in here and compete and if they don't win it then they're just going to be cancers right you can't have those type of guys so i think that bringing in the right type of guys on the defensive line and the offensive line is where i would start as as gm like okay we're going to start and we're kind of competition there and then you start looking at the other pieces and saying okay where do we just need one guy versus i think offense defensive line you need three or four guys each to come in and compete right and then you look at the corners say, okay we need a couple guys here and then you look okay we're good decent at wide receiver that's not a, like a number one a spot right i think that you just grade all your rooms and any room that's an f or a d you just pour into and if i'm looking at the vikings O-line, D-line, corners, 
and probably my F and D spots, right? I mean, I think that that's fair. And I would say, okay, we pour most of our resources into that. And then we kind of see where we're left. We're left after that. And then we go find some other guys that are lower on our totem pole. So big picture version is get a bunch of dudes. Get a bunch of dudes. Right. Bunch of dudes. Because guess what? The dudes that you drafted that you had get all sorts of opportunities last year. They just didn't prove that they could cut it. I mean, some of them are younger, of course, Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney. And you're going to want to give them a few years to develop and not judge them based on their first year. I mean, if you judge Rhodes and Waynes in the first year and Alexander, those guys would have been out too. So you want to give those guys time. But, you know, Jalen Holmes, players like that, they've sort of shown you that they're not really going to be a long-term part of this thing. When you get zero sacks and you play like 700 snaps, it's probably not going to happen if you're supposed to be a pass rusher. Usually that's kind of the job. Um, you know, and, and, and Stephen Weather, I think Stephen Weatherly is the guy you bring Huge back. Boy. Right. Like you just you bring back someone like Weatherly and then do it five more times at five different positions of find that guy who costs two million bucks, who's going to compete his butt off for a spot and try to keep his career going in the NFL. But you also know he can play. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. That's a big the balance right there. You nailed it is the competing for not just a job, but competing for your career. I think there's definitely something to be said when you're when you can tell you're on the back end of your career there is a little bit to you that you're like, I need to, I need to step it up a little bit. If I want to go out and keep and go out the way I want to go out, I want to fight. I want to compete. I want to play well before I hang it up on my own terms. So you find a bunch of guys like that. Now the question is how much money can you afford in those guys without the certainty of it? Right. I mean, you have a little bit of certainty in Steven Weatherly because you've had actual eyes on him for a long mm-hmm. extended period of time. Now you go out and you start finding some of these other guys like Blythe or, I mean, a guy like Nick Martin for the Texans who just got released. Like they're on the back ends of their career possibly, but you don't understand like what's their work ethic like, like how much do they care? How much do they really want it? And that's sometimes that's going to be hard for them to make too. But again, bring in a bunch of dudes, make a culture of competition and fight to the death, right? I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to fight to the death for 53 spots and then try and throw out there with the best you have, knowing that you just don't have the cap space to go make the moves you might really want to. Let me present another GM Jeremiah Searle scenario for you. Let's say that instead of being in the way that they have it, which is where Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman feel a lot of pressure for this year, because we've been talking through the lens of you you have to be good in 2021. You want to go from seven and nine to 11 and five or 10 and six. Like that should be your aim for this season is to add three, four more wins on, especially with, you know, Kirk getting what he's Mm -hmm. getting and, and so forth. Let's say, though, that you had complete immunity as general manager. We will not, we cannot fire you for the next five years. What are you doing differently than what we just laid out of trying to fill spots? Um, I'm moving the quarterback mm-hmm. one way, shape, or form. If I know I have full immunity for five years and I'm not going to get ran out of Minneapolis, I'm moving the quarterback, freeing up the cap space. I'm then finding a way to draft a young quarterback or I'm selling the farm to get Deshaun Watson and moving on from there. Because, again, you can't win in this league without an all-star quarterback. Not saying before you guys freak out on me, not saying that Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. But I'm saying if you look at the all-star quarterbacks in this league, they're young and they can move, unless your name's Tom Brady. But there's a difference in those young quarterbacks. So I think that I'm I'm getting Deshaun Watson into Minneapolis. I'm moving Kirk Cousins. 
and I'm turning this into a zone read football team with Dalvin Cook and Deshaun Watson and the shotgun spread, spread them out. Defensive-wise, I'm looking at what I got, and I'm finding a way to keep Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, and Eric Kendricks as those three guys, and I'm finding a way to keep Michael Pierce because I think even though we didn't get to see him last year, he's going to play a huge role in why this defense's revivance is going to be coming in next year and then i'm building around them and i'm drafting two pass rushers in the next two drafts early and probably spending first round picks on the drafts on on pass rushers on that side of the ball and then i'm going to get offensive linemen from all over the league not i'm not going to draft any super early but i'm getting them like we just said bringing a bunch of guys in that have 10 starts 20 starts 15 starts and letting them compete and building competition and drafting and making a really good room right there to really just build that offensive line camaraderie and then i'm going to leave guys in the spots that i bring them into and i'm going to leave them at right guard or right tackle or center or left guard and let them all develop and then we'll see where we're at in five years hey i want to tell you about our very cool new sponsor symbol symbol is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks go to symbol.app that is s-i-m-b-u-l-l app to sign up for the promo code purple to get a $10 deposit bonus if you are a first time user and you are off and rolling. Here's how it works. You buy stock in your teams and then when your team wins, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So baseball season is starting. You can buy into your favorite team today and as their stock rises throughout the year, it pays off for you or get in before free agency in the draft changes football for next season. Another thing that Symbol does is send you updates all the time on what's trending to keep you up to the latest market movement. So check out symbol.app or follow them on Twitter at symbol exchange and check out the marketplace for sports today. Folks, March is quite the month for Minnesota sports, and Soda Stick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. The hockey team is headed down the stretch, so you've got to check out the Dollar Bill Krill shirts, and baseball is ready to get started. Go to SodaStick.com, check out the Touch em All shirts, the Twinkies hats, and the Tomorrow Night hoodies. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping, so go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, all of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is Soda Stick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports inspired goods, code Purple Insider for free shipping. An observation about offensive linemen. The top guys often become the top guys because that's how the league works. Like if you're drafted at the top in your Orlando pace, you probably have a better chance at the Hall of Fame than anybody else. After that, though, it just seems like a complete cluster mm-hmm. of who knows. There are sixth rounders who become superstars. There are first rounders who become awful. They're just it's it's all over the map when it comes to that, which speaks to your point of throw a bunch of darts. And you know what happens all the time? Some guys like 28 and then the light goes on and all of a sudden he's got the right situation or he realizes how he was supposed to be playing this whole time, or he decides to finally take it seriously and work with an O-line coach or, you know, whatever it is happens all the time or just understands how pass rushing works and can slow it down at that sort of age. It's amazing um, for that position. Now your point about the quarterback. So then that question leads to the next one. Cause that the Deshaun Watson thing, probably not happening. 
But no. you know what? But you know what could happen? You get to 14th on the board. You look at that old board and you go, huh, that's weird. Only Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence have been drafted. Hmm. Now what do we do? Hmm. We do need this, 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 that, and the other thing, but you've got immunity. So do you draft Trey Lance? Do you draft Justin Fields? Do you draft uh, Mac Jones at 14? If that's the case, if you have full immunity and you do not have to win in 2021 in order to keep your job. Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is if you have full immunity and you can just say, yeah, okay, I need to grab a, a generational type quarterback talent, which who knows again, like you said, with offensive linemen happens all the time with quarterbacks too. Not as often. Usually the top tier quarterbacks stay pretty top tier. But I think that if, if just those two are going off the board, I'm probably going with Justin Fields based off of, again, the way he can move in the pocket, the way he can deliver the deep ball. And I think that he would fit well in the scheme as to which the Vikings run. Now, I don't necessarily like the idea of giving a Mac Jones type player because I don't – the more I watch the NFL – the last few years, the more I feel like you have to get away from the prototypical uh, quarterback. I just feel like it's a dying breed. And I don't know if that's because of the pass rushers becoming more insane or the blitz schemes getting quicker or corners getting, but I just, you don't see very many guys. I mean, Philip Rivers is out of the league now. Ben Roethlisberger is about to be out of the league. Drew Brees is about to be out of the league. Like Tom Brady really is last man standing in that kind of regime now. And I just think that if you can look at that in that 14, you're going, hey, future, right? We're looking five years down the road. Kirk ain't going to be here in, in three, four years, most likely, unless we somehow win a Super Bowl with him or something. But Justin Fields could be that building block into which we start over again and we move our way up. Yeah, I think that you can stand on two grounds safely at the same time and say that if, you know, just based on who the quarterback is and how he plays football, that you could win with Kirk Cousins, but we're seeing it right here. This ties us back into why we're talking is Riley Reef is you can't afford Riley Reef because you're paying a quarterback. I mean, yeah, COVID too, but he might've been gone anyway, even right. if the salary cap went up because you just can't afford these players. And as much as people, you know, learned the cap guy's name and they, you know, tweeted about him when they were restructuring deals and all these things, those things run their course and you eventually uh, don't, aren't able to use those anymore. Oh, we'll just restructure everyone. Yeah. When you're a 13 and three team, when you're a seven and nine team, that guy wants to leave and hit free agency. That's just the reality of this thing. And with cousins, the way his contract is set up, it's about to become fully guaranteed for 2022. But even if you draft someone, then you can plan on trading him next year. And here's what we learned this year. There's always people trying to trade for quarterbacks. If someone traded for Carson Wentz after that thing, there's mm -hmm. always people who will trade for quarterbacks. So it's, it's funny because there you can like Kirk, you can have a Kirk Jersey. You could study his statistics for all the great things he, he does and appreciate him and his personality and all those things and still say, yeah, you know, with the contract and the way it works out, it would be a better idea to draft someone. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you look around the league and what is the recipe for winning a Super Bowl or getting deep in the playoffs? It's rookie rookie quarterbacks on contract, right? I mean, you got, or, uh, excuse me, quarterbacks on rookie contracts because you can build around them with so much more, which is why you see teams be able to turn around so quickly when they draft a quarterback. I mean, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to be able to draft Trevor Lawrence and still have a ton of cap room. 
and they're going to, I guarantee you, they're going to be close to eight and eight next year, if not a little bit better, because they're going to have the money to go in and pour into those positions that they need. And it's crazy, but I mean, it's the NFL, the money talks, right? You're able to get through it. And when you look at it, the teams now, I mean, Cowboys, I don't think Cowboys are going to be very good for a long time because they're not going to be able to pay anybody else besides Dak Prescott. And I worry about what's going to happen with the Buffalo Bills when they have to do the same thing and pay Josh Allen. And it's a trickle-down effect. These guys are insane talents. They deserve that money. But it's going to be really hard to keep your guys that made you so good around you when you get paid like that. Something I was thinking about. Wanted to play a little game with you here. I like games. So you, uh, you're an NFL player. You've had teams call you, call your agent, say, hey, we want that Searles guy. We want him to show up in Buffalo. We want him to show him Carol, uh, he know He doesn't know anything about pizza, but he knows his wings. Mm. So let's bring him to Buffalo. Bring him to Carolina. So you've had that happen to you. I want to know from you how the recruiting process would go if you were a big-time free agent in this year's market and you were looking at all the NFL teams and they were calling you, hey, man, we want a swing guard or tackle, Jeremiah Searles. How would you decide where you wanted to go? And is if money, the answer is, is just money, say, say is money a factor? Uh, yes, is money a factor? Of course then it is. Depending where I'm at in my career, money is the biggest factor. Okay. That is the biggest factor. Depending where you're at in your career, money's the biggest factor. As you get older in your career, winning a championship becomes the biggest factor. Now, I will say if you're in that first contract swing type position, like you're not a, a solidified starter, you're not a guy that's started 20 plus games, then you're looking at where am I going to play? And like what position now, if money all equal, right? You're looking around like, okay, I'm probably going to play for say it's a million bucks, right? And I can go to all these, all these teams want to offer me a million dollars to come play. Well, where's my best opportunity to play and get on the field and play early and then go make my big money, right? Where can I go ring the cash register? And that's where, as we've been talking, you can get the guys that want to come to Minnesota and compete for those jobs, especially on the offensive line. Hey, we have two guard spots that are wide open. Hey, we have a left tackle spot that is wide open. Yeah, we might draft someone. Yeah, we might we might draft someone. But guess what? He's a rookie. We have no idea, right? You can come in here and be a starter or you might be a backup, but who knows? You might start. And that's a really alluring draw to a lot of guys that are going into their second contracts that haven't quite made it onto the field enough to sign the big money. May Again, veteran minimum, uh, come in for a couple million bucks, and you come in and you say, hey, you could be our starter, right? And, and those words ring true to so many guys of, man, I could be a starter in the NFL. I mean, it's the main reason I went to Carolina. I had multiple other teams that I could have went to, but there was a vacancy at left guard. They had gotten rid. Andrew Norwell left and went to Jacksonville Jaguars, and they needed a left guard. And there was three of us that were all competing for it. And I loved that. I mean, I was like, there's an actual vacancy. So if you're the Vikings, you tell all these guys, hey, there's a vacancy now because we got rid of one of our offensive linemen that was a starter last year. And that can draw you some talented guys that might take a little bit less money but know they have a shot at a legit starter. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, 
Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. That's exactly along the lines as I was thinking of Minnesota is not in any way, shape or form a destination for anybody who's the upper echelon of free agent. Not right now. They were uh, a couple of years ago that you could have a Sheldon Richardson say, hey, let me stop on by and then I'll get more money later. And he did. Good for you, Sheldon. Uh, But, you know, not now. That's not where you're at now. You're at much more of guys of a certain type of ilk who are competing for those spots. And if you find two gems in that list of guys who needed a better situation or they're a good fit with your offensive line coach or whatever it might be. I mean, then you've hit the jackpot and that's like the Joe Berger or the Nick Easton. Like you kind of hit the jackpot with those guys. Even if they didn't go to the hall of fame, they played really well for you on a team that went to an NFC championship. That's what you're looking for. Now pretend that you are the guy you're Trent Williams now. Mm. So you're a little faster than you were. You're uh Way faster. A little bit better at football than I was. (laughs) Yeah. 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 A little bit. Yeah. Um, I think we're safe in saying that. Uh, But how are you deciding? I'm deciding where I'm going to win a football championship, world championship. It's very simple. I've made a ton of money. Trent Trent Williams has made buku amounts of money, right? Now, there's a saying of like, you still want respect. Like, you still Mm -hmm. want to get paid to respect your talent. You're not going to be like, yeah, I'll come play for veteran minimum. Like, no, you still want to get paid. But at the same time, you're going to weigh options of where am I going to come in? And my biggest thing too, is like, you have all the chips. Hey, what's your offensive line coach? Like, let me meet him. Let me see if I can groove with him or if I can get along with him. Well, what are some of the guys in the room? Let me talk to some of the guys in your room. And that's where you kind of go. But the biggest thing is you're looking at where can I go and win? Because you know you probably got one or two really good years left before you hang on, kind of like Jason Peters, where he just kind of hang on, hang on, his play diminishes, kept getting hurt, really struggling. I think Trent Williams has one or two really good years of football left in him, and so you're looking at a place to go and win a fo- and win a Super Bowl. It's really that simple. Okay, bonus question: What is the difference between you and Trent Williams? I mean, I'm making fun of like fast, but you're great on Peloton. But I mean, I mean, really, like from an offensive lineman skill perspective, from a guy who's in the NFL and who could start versus a guy who could go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, Trent Williams. You look at him; he has the strength of the one of the strongest guys in the league. There's no doubt the way he plays but he also has the speed to go with it. And when you get that kind of combo to an offensive lineman, it's deadly. When you have a guy that he, as a defensive lineman, you're not going, okay, is this guy going to run around me and reach me like that? Or is he going to run through right through my teeth? And then when he drops back in a pass set, you're going, this dude hits me with his hands. It's over. Wham. He hits you from, cause he's got seven feet long arms. Right. I mean, and his just ability, natural athleticism to being that big is not, normal i mean there's nothing about him that you look at him and go yeah that's normal it's like no this dude's 350 pounds and is one of the fastest guys on the team i have a buddy who played with 
uh, him in Washington back in 2014 or 2015, early on in our careers, that said he beat Deshaun Jackson in a 10 yard sprint. <laughs> like, and I, I kind of laughed at him, like, no, and he's like, I swear to God. He goes, within 10 yards, he was faster than Deshaun Jackson. And that's just because he's so explosive. And so when you think about that, and it's hard to watch on Sunday sometimes and see the nuances of what's really going on inside. But when you turn on Trent Williams tape, it looks like he's gliding across the the grass, like, like a gazelle at 350 pounds. And that's just, he's so good at doing stuff like that. And I could list three or four guys that are like that, right? I mean, you talk about Tron Armstead down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You talk about Tyron Smith back in his – he's fallen off a little bit, but like two, three years ago when he was in the absolute prime of when he's doing things. And then you start looking at some young cats. Like, I mean, there's certain guys in the league that you just look and go, physically, they've got it. They've just got it. And that's what you're talking about, the guys that get drafted early or the guys that come into the league super early. Like, yeah, they're probably – there's a reason they're getting picked in the top three. Right. Those are generational type talents at offensive line. There are also guys, and I sort of took this away from listening to Joe Thomas's podcast a bunch, who just see the matrix. Like they just process things so quickly, and you have no idea how. Because he was breaking down some sort of blitz that he saw where you're like, I don't know how you figured that out. I mean, that <laughs> that happens so quickly. And if you get and he was talking about a technique that he used in run blocking so he wouldn't get ankle injuries. And he was like, Well, if a guy is falling from this angle and I'm running this way, then I'm lifting up my foot. And I'm like, this level of detail that some players can even just perform with their body is on a completely different non-human level. Yeah, the body control of the big guys sometimes. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I had great body control. Like, I was just like, I got to reach this guy. If someone falls on me, someone falls on me. But some of these guys are just so aware of their body and have such amazing body control at 300-plus pounds that it's really cool for me. to. I love watching extremely athletic offensive linemen. A guy like Wyatt Teller from Cleveland comes to mind. I can remember being in Buffalo and him as a rookie and watching him in the weight room squat 550 pounds on a Tuesday after playing 60 snaps and being like, oh, okay and just like you're just like he's special and then once he put it all together with Callahan this year one of the greatest offensive line coaches in the NFL he was an all pro right I mean so it really just sometimes takes two or three pieces to click for these super athletic guys to make them that all pro level because why it was a fourth round pick played average at Buffalo when he was a rookie that he gets traded all of a sudden he's all pro like that happens a lot when it's sometimes a matter of circumstances for like that second tier of greatness for these players to make on the offensive line versus the first tier of just, they just got it. And they're just better than everyone else on the field. And Vikings fans are saying, why can't we have either (laughs) (laughs) either one of those before, before we wrap up, here's what I want to know. It could be one, it could be multiple free agent presently who you can't wait to find out where they go. Free agent is I'm going to say is Eric Wilson. Um, for the Vikings. I think that, again, that's a little bit more selfish of me because I know Eric and I'm curious to see what kind of money he's going to demand um, and what he's going to get out of that regard. And then I also saw that the Saints cut Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that that's going to be a playmaking wide receiver that's going to go somewhere and make a big difference next year too. What do you think Eric Wilson gets? What's your guess? I'm going to guess he gets five probably five five to six a year would be my guess i mean he played a bunch of snaps and he can play mike and will 
I don't necessarily know if he, again, it'll depend on the scheme fit, but I think he's a true four down, four three. I don't necessarily know if he fits in a three four system, but I mean, he's played a lot of football and he's got a lot of statistics. And I know defense, defensive guys get paid a lot based on statistics, mm-hmm. which is weird. Um, it's not as much like overall play as much as production, kind of like money ball isk. And so he does have some really good statistics and interceptions and sacks and TFLs. So I think he's going to go somewhere and get paid probably five or six a year, would be my guess. I think if you're a team that has a really good nose tackle, that he would be great for you. If you're allowing guards and centers to reach him, that's probably not great for you, as we yeah. saw last year. But playmaking is something that you can't just replace, and it's something that he has naturally. If I'm a team that is looking for a few more interceptions, a couple of sacks, I mean, he's your guy. And what a what a find for the Vikings. This is the thing. They need more of those. There haven't been as many recently, but he, I mean, goes from a special teamer to a player who's capable of starting and making plays in the NFL. So kind of a great story for him because he was probably like a $600,000 guy they brought in. Yeah, absolutely. He was phenomenal for them. I mean, to, to fill the shoes of Anthony Barr or Eric Kendricks when both those guys get out and not have there be a drastic drop off. I mean, yes, there was a drop off of talent because those two guys are incredible, but he was able to step in and maintain the status quo, so to speak. Like you lost some of the flash of those two guys, but that's really what you want. Again, he was good. He was good. And that's what you're looking for at all positions is a guy that's good can come in and get better. And again, he's young. He's only going to continue to get better in his career. You are welcome to drop by any time during the off season. You are not obligated, but the doors of this uh, StreamYard stream are always wide open for you, Jeremiah. And uh, also, I'd love to grind some tape with you on some rookie tackles that now oh, all of a sudden yes. are very interesting. So we'll get yes. into that when we get fully into draft season. So thanks for your time, man. We will do this again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys.